You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 3800 Marlton Pike. For more information, check out circleofhope.net. So it's officially fall, y'all. I mean, it was officially fall more than two weeks ago, but now it feels like fall. That, that rain on Thursday night brought in some colder weather. I was outside last night, and I was sad I didn't have a jacket. It's fall. Uh, oh, I got, look at this. I got this in the mail yesterday. Can you, can you all see what's on there? What's on there, Grace? Snowflakes. There are snowflakes on this! <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ready for snow, that's for damn sure. But I do like, I do like that I'm wearing a hoodie. I, and, but, but with the change, you know, we built this tree because we wanted to have some roots in change. You know, the, the season is this giant billboard for us to remember that like life is changing all the time and that is inherently difficult change often sucks it 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 brings pain regardless of how good you are at it and we want to have some roots in jesus to weather the change that the season reminds us of of course you know around here in a church jesus is uh, the strength in the storm of change. And you may not have an experience of Jesus that way as your strength, or, an ex- or maybe your experience of Jesus uh, being that kind of strength for you is, is feeling kind of thin right now. That's, that's possible. You know, change is a common reason for that shift in how you're relating to God. This situation in your life is so different, maybe. Uh, or... The particular storm you are in right now is so windy that you can't hold on into anything that comforted you before. It's different now. What does it feel like in those moments to have Jesus be enough for us? And whether you're in that kind of like, oh, what's happening moment, or whether it's just fall and things are changing. You know, this is a common kind of universal need that we have to have some roots to have something to hold on to. Because that's what the the roots are, the hands of the tree, gripping onto the ground and holding on. You can, can you imagine yourself reaching down in there and, no, it's not the feet. Because if I were a monkey, it would be the feet. But it ha- they have fingers, those roots. They're grabbing down there. As above, so below. They're, you guys don't see me having a conversation with Tom here silently, but that's what we're talking about. <laughs> he, he was questioning my metaphor. But I think it's like the hands. It's like, reaching down into the ground and holding on. Um, and then I guess you're doing a handstand, and that's fine. <laughs> anyway, what does it actually feel like? How can we get it between our fingers? Uh, how can we, we stand on something stuff solid or do a handstand on something stuff solid? I've been reading through Matthew for places that Jesus offers us a clear picture of this. Something he said or did that we can be firmly planted in. Something that we can be rooted in again. Or deepen the roots that we have. What, how is Jesus enough? How is he that rich soil? How is he nurturing our roots? I'm looking for real-time examples when Jesus did something like that. And today I want to reflect on the last words that Jesus said in Matthew to his disciples. Lo, I am with you even unto the end of the world. I like the King James Version there because I like saying, Lo, Lo, I am with you. And also, my friend wrote a song 
to a very simple little song. I think there might have been more, but this is all I remember. Lo, I am with you. Lo, I am with you. Lo, I am with you to the end of the world. Can you sing that with me? Try it. We were just singing, but I want to sing more. Lo, I am with you. Lo, I am with you. Lo, I am with you to the end of the world. Now everyone can get it. Lo, I am with you. Lo, I am with you. Lo, I am with you to the end of the world. I need a little soundtrack. I need a song like that. I need Jesus' words in my heart and in my head regularly. It's got to be some catchy melody because I lose it so quick. It's paper thin and it's windy and I, I, it gets gone so quick. So can you receive that, that song for a minute? Let's sing it this way. Um, Lo, you are with me. Now we're talking back to Jesus. Lo, you are with me. Lo, you are with me to the end of the world. Receive that. Lo, you are with me. Lo, you are with me. Lo, you are with me to the end of the world. Last time. Lo, you are with me. Lo, you are with me. Lo, you are with me to the end of the world. Jesus being with us and that reminder coming up in our heart and in our head might be enough. It might be enough if you could just get that song stuck in your head and have it come out for you. And that could be the time. Okay, go home. You know, That's my simple answer is that Jesus is actually with you and if you are reminded of that on the regular, I think it'll change your life. But I don't think it's that simple all the time, and I have some more to say, too. You know, because am I just supposed to remind myself that Jesus is with me and I'm just going to feel better? Is that your whole thing? No. I, think, I, don't, I don't think that's been everyone's experience. But the strange answer is actually also yes. Sometimes that's enough. Sometimes that song comes at me out of the corner of my brain and just... Oh yeah, there is another reality. There is a there is something bigger, and, and I'm not alone in this stormy mess. And sometimes that's enough to settle me down. But sometimes it's not, and I have to call on something else. And uh, the thing that I think that in those moments when that's not enough, we're looking for courage. Because courage has a lot to do with doing what needs to be done, even when the doing of that thing is very difficult. Moving with the moment, acting out of our deepest sense of self. Go, go with me on this idea that I have, that kind of gets us into moving with the movement, even with the seasons as an example of it. So it's fall, I'm wearing a hoodie, and it's time for pumpkin everything, right? Uh, and there's like a whole thing about this, whether we should be so pumpkin crazy or not. But all the diners that I go to have a pumpkin pancake special, and I, I believe in diners as well as Jesus. And <laughs> Gwyneth even made pumpkin muffins out there for you. And she thinks they're not pumpkin-y enough, so tell her <laughs> that they're delicious. Um, but, you know, everything that we make with pumpkins now is, like, shelf-stable out of a can or even artificial. You know, the latte that you have does not have actual pumpkin in it. I almost guarantee it, but maybe it does. That would be awesome. But, so it's, it's, it's like, it doesn't really matter 
why we eat, everyone's eating pumpkin in the fall, but it, it, it started somewhere. Because in the East Coast, Northeast United States, pumpkins are harvested in the fall. So we eat a lot of pumpkin now because pumpkins mature at this time of year. I like the little nod to the season that we're actually in rhythm with something bigger than ourselves. We're moving with the moment. And in fact, Mennonite Central Committee wrote a cookbook called Simply in Season that helps you eat pumpkin in the fall. <laughs> and sweet potatoes. There are pumpkin recipes in here that go beyond pumpkin pancakes, pumpkin muffins, and pumpkin pie. There are other things you can make with pumpkin. Like, there's a pumpkin black bean stew with, made with real pumpkins. Anyway, why is our International Relief and Development Organization, Mennonite Central Committee, writing a cookbook? What business do they have doing that? Well, some of you can give me the answer, but you think about, where does my blizzard tomato come from? When, when I really need a BLT in the middle of February, where does it come from? From halfway around the world. And all the roads and all of the geopolitical nonsense that makes it very easy for me to get a cheap, cheap, cheap tomato in the middle of February in the blizzard has lots of ramifications for the way people live around the world. It says, commissioned by Mennonite Central Committee to promote the understanding of how the food choices we make affect our lives and the lives of those who produce food. So they're getting in rhythm, and they're getting moving with what's going already. There are simpler things to eat in winter, and what we buy affects the whole global economy. So eat some pumpkin pancakes. Drink a latte, because it feels right. It's what you're supposed to do. You're in line with the season, and it's okay if you don't like pumpkin. But like that people like pumpkin in the fall, all right? That, the, and what I'm going for here is that people are going with the movement. They're moving with what needs to happen. If we could have that sense of, it's pumpkin time. Something needs to be done. We need to harvest the pumpkin and eat the pumpkin because that's what's available. I think that's a little bit like courage. I think, that, I think that eating pumpkins and courage have a lot to do with each other. Because courage is about what are the circumstances, what are my capacities, I don't, something needs to happen here, and I'm not so sure that I want to, because I hate pumpkin, or I hate that all those people like the pumpkin lattes. Have I gone far enough with pumpkin? Let me, let me leave it behind. Let me move completely to courage. I think that courage is doing what needs to be done. Often in a, a, a more dangerous or frightening pre predicament that's to pumpkin or not to pumpkin, but it doesn't have to be too extraordinary. Cooking could be courageous. People who do, you know, people who do extraordinary things, like extraordinary courageous things, maybe like running into a burning building, all of them, almost every single one of them says, oh, I didn't even think about it. I didn't even think about doing it. It just was what needed to happen, and I acted. And in fact, if they think about it, they probably wouldn't have done it. So I like this getting into the rhythm, getting into a life, getting into something beyond yourself and just going with it because it feels right. I think that's, I'm trying to get into what does courage feel like? It feels like you do the thing that needs to be done. It kind of just spills out of you. And afterwards you're like, wow, I did that? Courage can feel like prioritizing what matters most. To stop telling yourself every reason not to go after what you really desire and start really making it happen. Courage can feel like speaking up to respectfully and powerfully say something 
when something doesn't feel right. We're getting into what needs to be done, what's coming from here. Courage can feel like trusting yourself and your experience to start making decisions without endless hesitation or back and forth. Courage can feel like loving all parts of yourself to get totally honest with the, all parts of who you are and give yourself the love, self-respect, and compassion that God is already giving you. To look at the scary stuff inside of you and not to avoid it forever. Courage is a lot about going towards the thing that repels you. It's about moving forward even when you want to stop. There's more examples than these ones that I put up on the screen, but these quieter acts of courage, you know, none of these are, you know, running into a burning building or saving someone from a, a wild boar. You know, it's just simple ways of being, I think, take a lot of courage. Jesus gave us a context in which to express this type of courage. He gave us a movement in which we can move, something that might compel us beyond our own resistance. Our purpose as a people and as individuals is to show others who don't know yet what it's like to know Jesus. You know, show them what it's like. That's what I said at the beginning of this meeting. That's what we're trying to do, is to have our life with God now so that everyone can see what it's like. Jesus is giving us the courage of, lo, I am with you. And it's for this particular purpose. It's like a perpetual season of harvest. Pumpkins everywhere. Sorry, I said I was going to leave them behind. And we, we find our way into playing our role in the big story of redemption that God is still working out. Here at the end of Matthew 28, the low I am with you, is, is what is known as the Great Commission. Here's the full text, but it's not in the King James Version anymore because that's hard to read. Will someone read that out loud for us? I guess low and surely are uh, synonyms or something like that. So here we are in Matthew 28, the very end of Matthew's story about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And this is Jesus talking to his disciples after he has risen from the dead. He's giving them their final instructions. He has prepared them for this purpose. The point of walking around with them for three years was to make them into the type of people that could go and do this job. To offer them a purpose, which is for others. To give them the courage, the kind, to give the kind of courage that they have received from Jesus, to give it to the whole world. Jesus is with you. But, if you're not so sure about that sometimes, I want to make sure you notice here that people worshiping, and then some doubting. The story is that Jesus just rose from the dead. And they are there on a mountain with this guy who was dead. And they're still doubting. So if you're still not so sure, 
about this whole story, or if you're still not feeling this courage, it's kind of expected. It's right there in the beginning of the story. And the way that Jesus is having these people come together and move is he gives them this idea. He gives them this movement. Go and make disciples. Teach people what I, what I taught you. Live the kind of courage that I have demonstrated, and you will be with me always. I will be with you always to the end of the age. Things are going to change. There's another little nugget of hope there. The end of the world end of the age, that, that's language that is obvious for those listeners that are hearing it for the first time, that there's another age after this. I'm with you, and I'm going to be with you in a new way after that. If we receive this commission as Jesus followers ourselves, we'll have plenty of practice for courage. And again, I think courage is moving from what's deepest within you. It feels good. It feels really good to do the thing that you resist, even, even though it does, the, that resistance sometimes is quite painful. But if you can get over that, if you can sync up with some of those deeper desires, those things that your roots are holding on to, Jesus gives us a reason to speak up, to tell people about the hope that we've found. We have a reason to act on what we know. And, and Jesus connects us with a source of love which is encouraging us to love ourselves so we can unflinchingly love others. The Great Commission is a reason to become courageous. And I think we need, we need a reason. Those people on the mountain needed something to do together to build them further into what Jesus is calling them to do. And you might not think that you're very good at this. You might not think that you're a very courageous person or that you're much of a uh, Great Commission kind of guy or gal. But this is what you've been called to do, but not alone. That's the key. Our community is called to this. Our community communicates the gospel, and, and, and as a community is our main strategy in Circle of Hope. You might have the impression that the Great Commission is being practiced only by people who like go off into foreign countries where no one has ever heard about Jesus before, or maybe people going out onto the street and trying to convince people to care about the Bible, um, even though they don't. Do you see, do you see that the street preachers do that? They, they often um, are talking about the Bible, but I think people are over the Bible. It's, it's, tricky, it's a tricky uh, era to try to help people follow Jesus. And we think that the best way is this group of people. We're actually communicating something by how we are together. And it's actually really good, good practice. Even just being this community takes a lot of courage. You're actually going to have to love people that you, have, that, that you don't like, maybe. Or you're going to have to forgive, like, all the time. And even harder, you're going to have to ask for forgiveness. You're going to be put into lots of things that we very normally resist. It's like a hotbed for transformation being this community. And that life that we live together communicates the gospel quite effectively. Communicates who Jesus is and what he taught. Teaches people to obey him in real time. And so you are courageous just by showing up here and being with us and making this body right now. I think it took some courage. It's not, it's not an easy thing to do. And because you showed up, you matter. 
right now, everyone here, you really matter. Of course, everyone else matters, but you matter to us and what we're trying to do. You matter to that, that commission that we've been given by Jesus, and we're making it happen right now. And that could be pretty intimidating unless Jesus is actually with us. Because it's scary to trust. It's scary to be vulnerable. And yet, I know y'all. And we do have a lot of trust and a lot of vulnerability. We are already a very courageous people. So when I go out to find people who might want to participate in this courageous community, I'm pretty confident. I know that if someone comes in to one of our cell meetings, or this meeting, or our meeting at 6 p.m., or even going further, all of the meetings that we have in Philadelphia, I know that if anyone comes into this space, they will be an environment of courageous, Jesus-obeying people. Lo, Jesus is with us, indeed. And it's that confidence in Jesus' presence among us that gets me over my own resistance when I'm out there. Because I go out there all the time and try to meet strangers. You all know that I do this? I put it on my calendar. Don't mess with my, with my three-hour block when I have to go to Rutgers and see if I can meet a college student that is looking to connect to a, a courageous community like ours. Um, and I have, I have resistance about that. It's, it, it's uh, excuse me, hella awkward um, to try to talk to someone. And so I was at the, the Pensacan Harvest Festival this last weekend, bunch of people, and I, and I wanted to, and I just put it on, I put, a, I put myself up to it, because if I don't, I just kind of shirk away. You know, it's so easy. And y'all, some of y'all that know me don't think of me as much of a shirker. But I do. It's very, it's very, it's, it's shirking. It shrivels me up. Shirk is a word. <laughs> I got Tom and Tom and Joel over there. It's like <laughs> they they got eyebrows that move a lot. <laughs> um, anyways, y'all know what shirk means, right? Kind of just like oh, it's it's the opposite of courage, maybe. Um, and I, I come up against some resistance, and it's ever so slight because I am a quite gregarious person, and I do have a lot of bravado that is helpful in this situation, but. I was at the Harvest Festival, and I wanted to meet three people that would continue a relationship with me, like give me some kind of contact information. Hey, would you like to know more about Circle of Hope in the future? And I had to find people. And so uh, I, the thing that pushed me past my resistance was that I really did believe that if they came to be with you, they would experience something unique and real. I really believed that. So I screwed myself up and went and said, hey, I'm telling people about my church. That was my opening line. Hey, I'm handing out flyers about my church. Y'all got a church? That was my opening question, you know, and it was, it's not that, you might have a better opening question if you went out and did this, but that's what I did. And I found, in 45 minutes, I found four people that wanted me to, that want, they, they gave me their email address, which is totally weird. Why would you give this guy your email address? Like, what's going on? This flyer isn't even that good. Um, it's, I, I think that people actually are looking for something, and some of the and, and I, I feel ready to find them because Jesus is actually with us. Jesus is with us. Lo, I am with you. 
And you know, I, I went out there, I had like an hour and a half, and then I then I got those four and forty-five minutes and I was like, all right, let me go watch this dragon dance. <laughs> I could, maybe I could have gotten more, but four was enough. Um so because we are these kind of courageous people, and I just wanna I wanna end with a little a little litany of courageous people. Some of them are in this room. But first, the first one isn't. Julie Hoke is our newest pastor in Circle of Hope. She leads a congregation uh, that currently meets in Roxborough, PA. And she is so courageous. She's doing something she never thought she would do. She, she signed up to be a pastor because, she, because God made her do it. And she, she runs up against her resistance all the time, or her limitations. They're trying to buy a building that'll end up costing, uh, how much, John? If we bought that building on 29th Street? A million dollars with the renovation that it needs. And Julie's like, well, how do I do that? <laughs> and lo, Jesus is with us. Ryan and Donna Schmidt, they're here in this room. They're trying to uh, start being foster parents. And they have no idea what kind of children are going to come into their house. And we had this blessing for them in the other room a couple weeks ago. And I think it was your sister, Ryan, that said, yeah, Having babies is scary regardless. And y'all, y'all, and, and that's even just when it's like yours in your belly. And uh, that I know the resistance that you're facing. And you're moving forward anyways. You're moving with something. Lo, he is with us, you courageous people. Everyone who shares in the common fund back there is a courageous person, which is most of you. Most of you participate and you lose some of your money, even though there might not be enough. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. We don't know if you'll lose your job. Maybe you should just be stockpiling everything because the world economy is going to crash any minute. And yet, yeah, that's going to happen, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> it's a precarious situation in history, I believe. Um, and if we got the tablet working, you can, you can share that way too. But uh, it takes some courage to share because it's, not, it, it's, a, it's a recognition that there will be more. And, and yeah, you're moving with something. So, so the, because we have people sharing in our common fund, lo, he is with us. Marguerite McDonald is the new leader of our debt annihilation team. For the longest time, that team was led by a pastor because it's kind of a big deal. The debt annihilation team takes a $10,000 seed fund and pays off a group of people's highest interest debt. So they get their consumer debt together and, and they just like kind of cut off the top with this $10,000 grant. And then everyone works together to pay down their, um, their consumer debt together. Highest interest rate first. So this takes a ton of courage and trust because like if I have really high interest rate, I have the highest interest rate of anyone in the group, I'm going to get all of my debt paid off first. And if I'm a scoundrel, I'm Audi and I have my debt paid off. But the idea is I'll stay in, help everyone pay off all of their debt, and then put in $10,000 back to repay. And so the quicker we get all that, it's, it's interest that kills us with consumer problems, and you all know this. And if we can get rid of that, you know, the actual high interest consumer debt quickly, then the $10,000 that might take longer to pay back is great because it's 0% interest, because it's just, a, it's just a, a gift from all of you who have made that money available for this type of work. Anyways, Marguerite is running that big show now. And, and I talked to her about it. It's a, little, it's a little daunting. There's some resistance. There's some reason she'd be like, I don't think I can do this. 
but she's doing it anyways. Lo, he is with us. Jessica Santilli. Where did you go? There you are. <laughs> Leading this giant team up here, getting everyone together, trying to make it happen. You got your saxophone, you got your bass, you got your guitar, you got your drums and two singers, and she's the maestro of it all. Yeah, look at her face. <laughs> she is not, she's not ready for that, and yet she's doing it. She's moving with it. She's getting, she's getting so good at leading us in worship, and she's only been doing it a, a handful of times. Some courage. Lo, he is with us. I could come up with something for each of you that I know. I don't know everyone in the room, but um, Eric, you drummed today. That was courageous, you know. Drumming is the best thing. I said drummers are the best people. Um, that was courageous. You know, I, I, I could try to come up with one for all of you, but we don't have enough time. Um, so that might be a great way to spend a cell meeting, uh, is coming up with ways that, no, we actually have a courageous muscle. We actually have done some courageous things. So we better not count ourselves out, because even beyond what we have demonstrated already, lo, he is with us. Jesus is with us in all that we do because we're moving with something. We're saying yes to something bigger than ourselves even when we meet that resistance. And when we get over that boundary and move from something in here, it's courage. And it's where I think our courage and Jesus' courage meet. He's meeting us in that kind of gut place that compels us to move, to do something, to act. So I encourage you Take a step this week, uh, whatever it is that you, you are, I don't have to tell you to do anything. You already know what it is that you should probably do. You know it here. There's something that you can do. There's something that you can act upon that has already been bubbling up in you. And maybe you haven't paid enough attention to know what that is right now, but I know that you know it. And so pay attention to that this week and see how you can move with what Jesus is moving you to do. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.